to another episode of the Rental Journal Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the equipment rental industry. I'm your host, Mark Simonson, and today's guest is Ben Blood. Ben is based in Southwest Kansas and is the Vice President of Big L Rental and Sales and focuses on the aerial and material handling industry. Ben, thank you for coming on the Rental Journal Podcast. To kick things off, can you talk to me how you first got involved in the equipment rental industry? Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to excited to be here. Kind of got involved in the equipment rental world by accident, in all honesty. Come from a farming background. Uh, you know, it's I'm from Southwest Kansas. That's everything out here is ag based. You know, I'm no different. I, you know, my my family still farms today. When I was in high school, it was just a you know bouncing back and forth between. I, I played football through high school and college, and and uh, so it was get up early, go to football workouts, drive 20 miles to the farm check irrigation wells, drive back to town, go to football practice, drive back to the farm, do field work, come back to town, eat supper, go to bed. I mean, it was just a, it was a headache. Um, so my neighbor at the time, I knew, knew that he worked in equipment rental, didn't really know anything about it, but just because I was tired of driving, I asked him, Hey, do you guys want any summer help? I need a job that is, you know, a little, a little closer, a little more convenient. He said, yeah, come down. So Went and applied for a job and and uh, worked out and I did you know I was a, I was a summertime help I swept the floor and and uh, greased equipment washed equipment just kind of did whatever they had for me took out the trash and and uh, over time uh, developed a relationship with the owner kind of started to enjoy the concept and and it was you know it was always something new always something different and uh, thirteen years later I still still the only thing I, I can see myself doing so. Kind of an interesting, you know, never, never knew anything about the industry, never intended to be an equipment rental and, and uh, just grew to love it. Yeah, I think that's a pretty common story. I think I hear that from quite a lot of people. Like they, they fall into it and then they either love it or they hate it. And then they just, it's almost like you, you get absorbed into the industry. Exactly how it is. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's it, a lot of factors. It, uh, I think the people in rental are great. You know, I have my biggest competitors sales reps and, and store managers that are really good friends of mine. I mean, I think the people in rental across the board as a general rule are pretty good folks. Um, that's been a huge piece, but honestly, it's just the, the nature of the business and that there's always some new problem. There's some new application. There's some new, there's a new challenge we're trying to solve. And that to me is what keeps me coming back. That's what keeps me engaged. And that's, that's why I enjoy it so much. Yeah. Well, playing football, you must've been pretty excited when Kansas city won the Super Bowl. I, uh, yeah, yeah, that was, that was fun to see. Um, in all honesty, I, uh, I actually am a Denver Broncos fan, but, uh, Oh, geez, uh, what's going on here? <laughs> I know. Uh, so that is, is in my junior college days. I, I played at Garden City Community College and, uh, wide out for Kansas City, Tyreek Hill, pretty well-known guy because he's explosive and fun to watch. We actually, my freshman year, his sophomore year, uh, we got to play together at Garden City Community College. So, I've enjoyed watching his career, enjoyed watching that guy, uh, enjoyed watching that guy grow the man. Incredibly fun. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it was, it was cool. I, I, uh, I'm a, I'm a secret Kansas city fan. I've, I've always been a Denver guy, but <laughs> the last few years, it's been a little tough to love the Broncos. So, so Kansas city is my, my backup plan. <laughs> it's growing on you. That's it. it so did you want to give the audience a bit of a rundown of Big L Rentals and then the history behind it and uh, what your current role is today as well. Yeah. So uh, Big L Rentals has gone through a lot of changes over the last 
20 some odd years. So back in the mid eighties, uh, a couple named, uh, Bob and Lou Baker started a company called B&L Rentals. And, uh, you know, it was a homeowner rental shop they had. This podcast episode was sponsored by Boom and Bucket. I love that name. Such a good name for a company, Boom and Bucket. Boom and Bucket was started by two ex-Caterpillar employees and is the easiest way to buy and sell heavy equipment. If you're selling, Boom and Bucket will inspect photograph, market, and sell your machine so you can focus on your rental business. If you're looking for new equipment, Boom and Bucket has hundreds of inspected and guaranteed machines that you can browse and buy from right on your mobile phone. See why the average buyer gives Boom and Bucket a 9.5 out of 10 review. Check them out at boomandbucket.com. Appliance dollies and rototillers and lawnmowers, and, and they sold Cub Cadet and you know, really, really homeowner focused. In 1996, a guy named Jack Beery was their banker. And uh, Bob and Lou were looking to, to kind of slow down and find something different. And, and Jack was on the other end of the spectrum. He was looking for something to do. And he's a pretty entrepreneurial minded guy. And they they were able to put a deal together. And, and uh, Jack bought B&L Rentals in 96 and, and kind of slowly started transitioning to uh, a more more contractor focused business. He started adding forklifts and skid steers and trenchers and and uh, you know some more bigger pieces, but still was really focused on on homeowners and small contractors. And uh, then in in '99, and he, he kind of saw a shift in the market and and thought that you know focusing on commercial construction and, and industrial users was going to be a better fit for him long term. So. That's actually where the name Big L came from. He wanted something that was um, was close to BNL, kind of could use some of the some of the same marketing, but wanted to signal a shift to the local folks that something was different. And uh, our joke internally is that the L stands for loans because you need big loans to be in the equipment business. Not actually the case. Big L is just uh, something that that got uh, made up at the time. But so in '99, he he changed the name and, and started adding aerial lifts and and uh, reach forklifts and some things like that and really went on a really, really strong run from, from 99 to 2012, just, you know, had consistent growth, with the exception of 08, 09. I think everybody in the, in the rental world had some, some rough times there, but uh, outside of that had really strong growth and, and, uh, you know, just did a, did a fantastic job and, and kind of saw the writing on the wall that, that really kind of to take the next steps, it was either find outside investment or, or look at, at selling the company. So, Largely because of their approach to to how they dealt with employees and and some things like that, they decided the Volvo Group was the right answer. Um, and and in May of 2012, Jack sold the company to the Volvo Group. Uh, you know, then then Volvo decided rental wasn't for them. They spun that off to Platinum with what then became Blue Line Rental, and uh, Platinum then a couple of years later was able to sell that company to United, and so it's all you know kind of come come full circle. But so after the sale of the business. I joined Jack in 09. And as we talked about, just really as part-time help and uh, grew with him over the years and, and got to have a really strong relationship. Um, today, I'm the vice president. But uh, so I, I oversee all of our day-to-day operations. We're a still a small enough company. We're 26 people. So everybody kind of wears multiple hats, but really anything related to uh, sourcing equipment, working with customers, setting pricing, um, things like that. Anything, like anything operationally is, is really kind of falls in my wheelhouse. But 
anyway, so so I stuck with Jack. I, I decided not to go with uh, not to stick with Volvo and and bought a retail business serving some similar customers in in the industrial space. And this podcast episode was sponsored by the Fleet Office. Get away from paper documents and spreadsheets and become more compliant by using a cloud-based fleet management software. Save money by streamlining your hire business and understanding your fleet and utilization better. Create quotes, invoices, allocate equipment and operators to jobs and easily compare your projected income with your current invoices, making you more profitable. Pre-starts, risk assessments, maintenance, timesheets, dockets, and asset efficiency, all managed on one easy-to-use platform. Learn more at thefleetoffice.com.au. Really, you know, we never never gained a lot of traction there, didn't love it. In late 2016, early 2017, um, Blue Line closed our local store, and store local to us, rather. Um, United then shortly thereafter reopened for unknown reasons, but... Um, for a short time there, there was a vacuum in our market and we, we still had a lot of the same old customers and, and, uh, now they were all reaching out to us saying, Hey, what do we do? And uh, so it took a little, a little arm twisting on my part, but, uh, got, got Jack to agree with me that, that jumping back in the rental business was a good choice. And so we started buying fleet, reached out to some old, you know, some, some old employees, some folks that we just, uh, you know, some friends and, and brought them on board and, just started going gangbusters and it's been, uh, you know, ever since it's been incredible. We've had a, and we have a bigger fleet than we ever did, uh, you know, at any time at the prior iterations, more employees, we're, we're covering more, more area geographically. Um, it's just been phenomenal. And I think the last couple of years for everybody in rental have kind of been that way. There's just an enormous amount of work going on across the country. And uh, so we've been extremely fortunate. We've got a great team of people. We've got awesome customers. I mean, it just is, is uh, been a great run the last couple of years. Mm. And so did your equipment supply change much on, on the types of equipment that you brought into the business when you restarted the business? When we got back into the rental business, we really, really took a, a little heavier emphasis on commercial construction and, and industrial end users than, than even you know, Jack had before. So about 80% of our fleet today is in aerial equipment and material handling. So Reach forks are really our specialty. Telehandlers are, are really kind of our niche. And, uh, but we also do a lot of big aerials. So we do, you know, everything from, from 19 foot scissors up through 135 foot booms. Um, we have, we call ourselves a general rental center because we do, you know, we do small dirt equipment. We've got skid steers, we've got mini X's, we've got trenchers, we have concrete breakers and we've got small tools. Um, we've got all of the, we're a Hilti distributor. So Kind of all the associated things that a commercial contractor would need, um, but really our our emphasis is in aerial equipment and and material handling equipment. Mm. I think if you go back twenty years, the definition of a general rental store has really changed a lot, hasn't it? You you used to go into a general rental store and there'd be a party part part of the store in the corner as well. Um, where yeah. if someone starts a general rental operation today, there's definitely no party section typically. Yeah, I think you're starting to see guys guys specialize a lot more. And and you're right. I mean, even you know, in, in 2012, we called ourselves a general rental center. Um, we we thought we catered to millwrights and industrial users. And we still had popcorn machines and tables and chairs and you know all the all the other goodies. There were rototillers and and uh, you know uh, aerators and all this lawn and garden stuff. And and uh, 
you know, even in just that short time from 2012 to 2017, it seemed like there was so much more focus and, and you either did one or the other. You either did homeowner rentals, you did party rentals, or you did contractor rentals. I mean, it really was. And I think that's continuing today. I mean, you're seeing more and more folks that are just strictly aerial or just strictly material handling or, or guys that just do underground dirt equipment. I mean, it, it uh, so I think even today, you know, even as much more focused as general rental center has become, um, I think it's, I think that's continuing even more. And you're seeing guys really sharpen the spear and focus on this is the niche we want to serve. And, and I think that's a good thing. I think it lets people really become very good at what they do. And certainly we're not different. Like I said, we, we really kind of have our specialty too, but we're in such a, such a remote area that we uh, kind of have to, to be able to serve our customers. Well, we have to have a little bit broader menu. We have to have to cover some more bases, but yeah, I think it is. The industry as a whole has changed so much the last few years and, and uh, in both ways, I think you see guys become more specialized. And I think you also see um, a lot of cool new product offerings that are, that are coming about for a multitude of reasons. Some of them, uh, you know, because of the labor shortage, we see our customers having to fight and, and, you know, some regulatory um, reasons, but uh, I, I think it's an exciting time to be in rental. I think it, uh, it is, it is constantly changing. And I think that's only going to continue to, uh, to pick up speed. Yeah, definitely. So, so over the last few years, something that has definitely picked up a lot is moving more and more of the transactions that you have with your end customers online. So what's big L rentals doing in this space? Yeah. So I think that having an online presence is becoming incredibly important no matter what size company you are you have to be able to engage customers in in whatever platform it is that makes sense to them so uh, you know sometimes that means we have customers that message us on facebook or other social media platforms um, sometimes that means you know we, we have customers that want to make a reservation online uh, some of it means we use third-party companies you know guys like big rents and dozer um, we're suppliers for so that if that is the the platform that the customer prefers, they can, they can reach out that way. And it's still a big L lift that shows up on site. But as far as, as building our own online presence, that's a, you know, that's such a big task for a small company like us. And we're very fortunate through ARA. We, we came to know a company by the name of Quipley and a pretty new company. Uh, when we talked with them, they actually were, were just, I think they had their first customer they'd gone live with, but they were just getting off the ground and getting moving. And they, they had built out this, this e-commerce portal for rental companies. So, I mean, you could go in and you can, you can select the duration of your rental. You can schedule delivery. You can do everything. I mean, it's, it is a start to finish. The customer picks their gear, tells you where they want it delivered, signs the contract, pays for it all. I mean, all in your, inside your website and on the back end, all we do is approve it and schedule the delivery. And uh, so it was really this, kind of this perfect packaged answer for us because it was uh, something that we didn't have the resources or the knowledge to go out and do on our own. And uh, really, in all honesty, is an incredibly affordable thing. So um, we can't say enough good things about the guys at Quickly. They really kind of launched us ahead 10 years in our, in our online presence. It's, and, you know, there's lots of other pieces. Through our telematics provider, we're, we're working on kind of a um, a white labeled login we can provide to key accounts so they can see where they have their equipment, you know, the equipment that's on rent to them. 
where it's at, what kind of utilization they're seeing on it. You know, maybe maybe that means they have too many pieces. They need to they need to send things back. Maybe it means they forgot about something. You know, whatever it is, just trying to provide customers with as many resources as we can. And uh, the cool part about technology progressing the way it is 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 for little guys like us. That's becoming way easier than it was even two or three years ago. Mm. So do you want to talk about the the onboarding process? Because a lot of people probably get quite intimidated by the effort that's required to actually get a website live that people can transact with uh, to have all your, your assets in there. So what was the onboarding process with Quipply? Yeah. So the onboarding process with Quipply is really something I think they need to market more because I'm super simple. Um, you know, we go and create a Stripe account so they can process payments for us and, and uh, ACHS. That was about a 10 minute ordeal. Really the biggest piece is going through and just providing them data on your fleet. So they sent over an Excel spreadsheet of, of kind of the info they wanted. We provided them our cat class numbers, the description we use, daily, weekly, monthly rates, um, and then just basic specs, you know, around what, what this piece is. And, and then for most pieces, we also provided them a link to manufacturer websites so they can get more detailed info if, if they wanted. Um, but I mean, in the course of a couple of hours, and, and, you know, we are, a, we're a small company. We have about 800 pieces of rental gear, but uh, I mean, in the course of two or three hours, had this spreadsheet put together, shot it over to them. Beyond that, with the exception of maybe a couple of questions around, you know, how to price delivery and some little things like that, um, we really didn't do anything. You know, it took a couple of weeks. These guys sent back a demo version of the site and, and kind of, you know, asked about changing categories and just little small changes. But really, I mean, it, it was almost a totally hands-off approach, sort of just providing a little bit of data to them, quickly handled everything else on their end and, and did it pretty darn fast. Um, and, and really came back with, I think, a very polished, very, very professional looking product for us that, you know, I, I think it stacks right up with any of the big guys' online, um, online platform and super simple to, for, the, for the customer to use as well. I mean, it's a, we've gone through and done test transactions on, on our end. And I mean, you can book a rental in, if you know the gear you're looking for, in three, four minutes, you can book a rental, have delivery set up and be, and have it paid for and done. Wow. It's uh, super, super easy. Every, every step of the process with Quickly was just painless. And honestly, it's, it's priced, I think, pretty darn aggressively for the, the kind of product they deliver. I think it's, uh, I think the value is incredible. Yeah. So, so what we're saying is, Carl, you need to increase your prices. For new customers, absolutely. <laughs> the new customers. Don't For the touch. existing guys, my contract's been signed. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. So, so what was the response from your end customers to having an online presence? Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's been interesting to see the response. So, we've gotten a lot of feedback, and and it's all been positive. But it is interesting to see some of the folks that, uh, that utilize that. And I think it's for a multitude of reasons. I think sometimes, you know, maybe you're stuck on a call and it's easier to just jump on your phone and, and uh, do something online. Sometimes it's after hours and they don't want to reach out and interrupt somebody. So, you know, a customer needs a scissor lift delivered tomorrow morning. They don't think about it till seven at night. It's super easy. They can, they can jump online, set that rental up. We respond to it as we, you know, as we have the time. 
so it's it's been surprising to see some of the existing customers. We really didn't expect to utilize it. Um, it's been surprising to see how much of that has happened. But really, the biggest thing we've seen is new customers, folks that do not know us at all and we have no relationship with. They're the ones that have really, um, we've seen the the most use of the website from. And it, you know, it varies. It seems like about half the transactions get completed through through the site quickly built. And about half of them, the customers go on and they gather the info and they get our rates and they um, get an understanding. Then they reach out to us, whether it's by phone or by email and and go ahead and set the rental up through a more traditional route. Um, But either way, at the end of the day, we got the customer in the door. They came to us, they contacted us. So, you know, it doesn't really matter to us how that how that transaction ended up getting completed. The important part is we had the info out there. The customer was able to engage with us in the way that they wanted and, and in a way that was was easy for them. So um, the feedback's been great. And it I think it's opening the door to um, new customers as much as it is making life easier for our existing customers. Hmm. Yeah, and I think some people they jump to the conclusion that if a transaction is done online, that you sort of lose that engagement with your customer, which isn't the case. Like when someone, let's say a rep is looking after a particular customer and they see online that they've booked five scissor lifts that need to go out next week or whatever it is, that rep can still call that customer and say, hey, I saw you just put through an order for five scissor lifts. Make sure that you give me a buzz if you need any help or whatever it is. Like, it's not like you lose that engagement. It's just providing another means to help your customer make it an easier customer experience. Absolutely. And, and you know, I don't think you, I don't think you lose that piece either. I think it, uh, you know, customers, the, everybody has their own, their own, their own buying style, their own communication preferences. Um, and absolutely. I think that communication is still an important piece, even if a rental is booked online, because, you know, there are just a lot of things that, that rental is such a dynamic, such a dynamic industry that I think it's important to verify those applications. So even when we get an online booking, you know, we still have to go through and approve that and say, yes, we can fill this need. And at that point, a rental coordinator still makes a phone call says, hey, this is what we see. We just want to verify this is the gear you want. This is what you're doing. This is when we're going to deliver. You know, we go through and, and we, we still make contact with that customer, make it a personalized thing. At the time of delivery, the driver still calls whoever our on-site contact is, says, hey, you know, this is Mike with Big L Rentals. I've got a 80-foot boom for you. I'm on my way to this job site, just making sure everything's good to go. I mean, it still is a, we still make it a point to contact that customer, make sure that they, make sure that the communication is strong every step of the way. So I don't think you lose the personal touch. I think you just, you just open the door for customers to interact with you on their terms and, and in a way that's comfortable for them. So um, I still think it's important to have that piece and, and absolutely business is still done person to person. And, and uh, you know, I, I don't think you can overlook the, the importance of that, but it's just a, it's just another Avenue. You're just, you're just giving customers another way to do business with you. Yeah, definitely. I like it a lot. So, so what's been your involvement in the American Rental Association over the past 13 years then? Yeah, the American Rental Association, I think is a great asset to, to independent operators like us. Uh, to be honest with you, early on in my rental career, we did, not, uh, we did not have hardly any involvement. We were ARA members, but that was kind of the extent of it. We, we didn't uh, really didn't utilize the resources that were out there. We didn't network with other operators. We, we really did not, uh, did not utilize that. 
And, and it was largely just because, you know, we were growing, we had things happen and we were, we were really caught up in the day-to-day of running the business. Kind of the, the point where we got more involved. Um, so after the sale of the company in 2012, we got to sit back. Obviously, me and Jack were both still very interested in rental. It's, it's what we'd both done. It's really about the only thing we knew. So we got to watch other companies and, and some of those were big guys. Some of those were friends we had that were independent operators. And um, we got to sit back and really evaluate the way they did things, things we thought they did right, things we thought they did wrong, but really kind of take notes on, um, you know, hey, if we ever did this again, that's something we want to do. This is something we want to try. And so that was kind of fun. We did that for about five years and just kind of on and off as it, you know, as things caught our attention, you know, you jump ahead to 2017 as we get back in the rental business and, and uh, you know, we're, we're scrambling, buying fleet, trying to hire people, trying to get all the pieces in place. All these cool ideas we had just kind of go out the window. We're right back in the same, the same spot of, Hey, we got to take care of this customer. We got this problem. We got this service call, you know, whatever the, just getting caught up doing the work and not thinking about the business. And, and uh, fortunately we noticed this and we said, Hey, you know, we need to, um, we need to really buckle down on some of these initiatives we thought were good ideas. And uh, so we already had a, we had a trip to the, the ARA show planned and, you know, all of our, all of our goal there was to buy equipment and to talk to manufacturers. And, and we backed off and said, Hey, you know, that's, we can do that from garden city, Kansas by sending an email we're going to really focus on talking to other operators and getting feedback on, on these ideas that we think are, are good. And, and uh, so started networking with a lot of guys uh, initially at the show, talked with some folks from ARA and kind of got a better feel for the resources that were out there, aside from just telling John Deere we're an ARA member, so we get our, our rental pricing. You know, really, really started to understand the value of, um, of the association and uh, I mean, in all honesty, at the end of the day, I think having a, a place you can talk with other operators that, that fight the same problems you fight is still the biggest value of it. But there's so many, you know, the, the relationship ARA has with James Waite and the ability to get feedback on rental contracts is fast. And, and from somebody with that depth of experience is huge. He's done actually several projects for us, but I mean, it's, it's just immense the amount of even just some of the informational stuff that ARA basically gives away on their website is, is huge. And, you know, today I've been fortunate enough that, that I've learned a lot from other members and, and I'm starting to get invited to do things like this and to, to do interviews for rental management and, and uh, hopefully try and share some of this knowledge that really I gained because of ARA and, and provide it to other, to other rental operators and, and other guys that maybe are fighting the same problems or, or probably have already figured it out and, and think, man, this guy's behind, but Either way, you know, it, it, it uh, feels good to try and, and share a little bit of what we've learned. But yeah, so really, you know, what started out as a almost no involvement today, I, I would say ARA is a, one of the bigger resources we use in running our business. And it's been interesting to see that progression. Mm. Yeah, I had, I had a guest on a while ago and he provided some pretty good advice when it comes to trade associations, whether it's in any country, really, um, let's just take the American Rental Association as, as the example. So his advice was members shouldn't think that the ARA owes them anything and it's just going to happen because you became a member. It's not like you sign up and this magical one gets flowing around and then the ARA changes your business overnight because you're now a member. Uh, his advice was that you only get out what you actually put back into that membership. 
And so if you put in effort to network, if you put in effort to learn, if you if you want to go out and actually figure out how to improve your business and, and get feedback from other people that are also members, uh, that that's where the true value comes in. It's, it's bringing everyone together, uh, plus all the educational stuff that they've got in there as well. And I thought that was such good advice. And there's so many people out there that just think that the associations owe them something, but really it's about you putting the effort in to get something back out, back out of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's the perfect way to think about it. And, and I think that really is something that, that spills over into a lot of other areas of life, right? I mean, in, in today's day and age, lack of information is not the problem, you know, whatever, whether I want to lose 50 pounds or I want to learn how to run a rental company, I can pretty much jump on Google or YouTube and, and find the information that I need. At the end of the day, though, it's the most people's issue is taking action. And, and it's the same thing we're talking about with, with being involved in trade associations. It's, it's super easy to sign up and say, hey, I'm a member, but it's, it's getting to actually being involved and taking part and, and taking some action in it and, and you know, putting some effort out that that's where you start to see results. You know, it, uh, like I say, I think it's true in, in a lot of different areas, but, but certainly I think that's, a, that's an interesting take on, I, I've never heard anybody phrase it as, as they don't know you anything, but that's absolutely right. I mean, they don't. And uh, it is, it, it really does come down to you get out exactly what you put in. And uh, it's, it's been a, a huge, huge benefit to us. And, and I'm going to continue to, to push us to be involved in any way that we can. Yeah. Very nice. All right. So let's learn a little bit more about Ben Blood. So what do you think has been the biggest challenge you faced in your career so far? The biggest challenge I've had to face probably came in, in uh, early 2020 with, uh, you know, kind of the, the initial shock of COVID and, and, you know, a multitude of fronts, right? Because obviously the initial concern, and, and I think, you know, even today, the big concern is, are we making sure that we're doing things to take care of our employees? And are we doing things to make sure that we're taking care of our customers? Are we, are we keeping everybody safe? Because at the end of the day, I mean, that's the, that's the biggest hurdle, right? Is we don't ever want to, we don't ever want to do anything that's going to be detrimental to, to anybody's family. We all have things that are more important than, uh, than reach forklifts at home that we want to get back to. And so, so that was the big challenge is, is, uh, you know, how do we, how do we make sure that we're operating in a safe manner and we're, we're not, uh, not doing anything detrimental. And honestly, I hate to jump backwards, but ARA was a huge help in that. They actually formed a Facebook group of, of, uh, um, just COVID-19 policies and practices. And, uh, and it was just operators sharing, you know, uh, things as simple as, Hey, this is where we're buying hand sanitizer to, you know, this is the way that we're cleaning equipment or, or you know, whatever it was, but, but just awesome to see the, the interaction because it's not a challenge I've ever dealt with before, but then, you know, kind of going beyond that, all these large projects um, we had going at the time, of course, everybody starts restricting travel and, and, uh, you know, we have, we start seeing, you know, just project after project shutting down and, and equipment flooding back into the yard. And uh, so now all of a sudden we had the exact opposite for the three years leading up to that. Our issue had been, how do we find more gear? Who can we re-rent from? You know, how do we, how do we solve this? How do we solve these challenges so we can meet this demand? And now the issue is where are we going to park all this stuff and how are we going to make our note payments and, and, uh, you know, that was, we probably, we probably overreacted a little and got a little too conservative, but really was an issue that 
that at least this go around, you know, we, we saw some of those challenges back in 09, but it was really a new hurdle and, and it took a little creativity and, and uh, obviously we, you know, we've made a lot of changes on the, on the back end of things to, to tighten up our finances. But, um, and then, you know, as we come out of, as we come out of COVID um, or as we come out of really the, the serious parts of the lockdown now starting to fight these supply chain issues and, and uh, trying to figure out because there's so much, you know, there's just this, this huge amount of work. How do we make sure we're attracting the right people and how do we, how do we get the employees we need? So it really has been a, you know, just kind of challenge after challenge, but I think there's also been huge benefit that has come from it. I mean, obviously it was a, it was an awful thing in a lot of ways, but from a business perspective, we got to do so many things and, and we got to really take a look at things that we'd never considered, uh, you know, simple things like, like collecting e-signatures instead of getting physical signatures, transitioning to, to a different phone provider. So we can, we can support employees that were working remotely that today, you know, it's, it's, we've identified all these benefits from that and it's something we stick with. And, and uh, even just, so we had all this equipment in the yard and, and uh, telematics had been this huge sticking point and we've been demoing everybody's stuff and and uh, now all of a sudden 60 percent of my fleet is sitting here let's pull the trigger and get going on this and uh, and so we we're able to find some you know we were able to find some really big ways to to really turn some of those things into a benefit obviously there was still pain and and there was and we're still dealing with some some backlash from some of that but really you know it uh i think i think if you if you sit back and you try to find the benefits there there really were um, some positive things that came from it, but yeah, to that, to me has been the biggest challenge of my career and, and it's still ongoing today, but. Yeah, uh, definitely. I think you're in the same boat as a lot of other people as well. So, so who do you think played a big influence on you from a mentor perspective? I've been incredibly fortunate to have quite a few really strong mentors. Obviously our owner, Jack Beery has, has, uh, been a huge influence, uh, not just in rental, um, you know, not just in my career here, but, but in other areas of life. And, and I can't overstate that. I mean, he, the, the Beery family in general, um, has treated me incredibly well. And, uh, and, but really, um, you know, getting to sit alongside Jack and, and learn from, you know, whether it's mistakes he's made or, or just kind of, from the perspective he brings on things because of his banking background or, or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, Jack has been an incredible mentor to me. The other really big piece is, is I'm a part of a Vistage group. Um, They're actually based out of Wichita, but get to get to bounce ideas off guys that are just, you know, wildly more successful than me. And and there's a couple of them that really stand out. Um, I had a fantastic conversation this morning with a guy named Joe Parrott that, he, uh, he always jokes about me being his big brother, but uh, mostly because I'm head and shoulders taller than him. But uh, in all honesty, it's exactly the opposite relationship. This guy has been, um, you know, incredibly successful, run really large organizations. And, and uh, as we grow and, and I really find that we're, we're outrunning my experience, it's been fantastic to have a guy like Joe I can reach out to. And, and you know, things that to me are these huge hurdles are, are issues he dealt with 15 years ago and can just give me a, you know, don't even think about it. This is what you should do. But really that whole group of guys, I mean, there's a dozen guys in that group that, that have all been huge helps to me, but I've been fortunate, you know, I, I uh, 
have had a lot of guys really, really give me a lot of guidance over the years. And, and, uh, coming from an ag background, even, you know, even my dad was a, was a huge help and just getting to sit back and, and watch the work ethic that, that a lot of these farmers have has been awesome and really, you know, really a motivating thing for me. So, yeah, I mean, it's a, honestly, it's one of those things, the list of guys I should mention is so long. I'm almost scared to, almost scared to get into it to, for fear of, of leaving somebody out, but yeah, there's, there's been a multitude of them over the years and, and I'm incredibly thankful. Yeah, very nice. So if you could give advice to young Ben that's working on the, on the farm, what would you say? You know, I think, I think we all go through this phase where we kind of look back at, at what our expectations were for life and, and realize how wrong we were, um, you know. So I think my, my biggest advice to young Ben would probably just be, you know, keep an open mind and, and uh, be open to be open to new challenges and, and uh, you know, try to try to make sure that you're always having the mindset of being a student for life and, and trying to learn from whatever the next thing is, because I don't think any of us know quite what our story is going to be. But but I think as long as we embrace whatever that is, whatever these challenges are we face, I think there's I think in any situation, there's something we can learn. There's a way we can there's a way we can grow. Um, that would be the biggest thing is just, you know, keep your eyes open and, and always try to always try to find what way it is you can progress from whatever situation you find yourself in. And certainly running a rental company is not the situation I thought I'd find myself in. Oh, that's funny. And how do you define success? How do you define success is a, that's a, that's a pretty open-ended one. And, and uh, that's actually, I talked a little bit ago about a friend of mine, Joe Parrott, that uh, has, has really mentored me along the way as I've grown in my business career. Uh, we had a conversation this morning around that question, actually, because I, uh, as I started thinking through that, I realized that I, I had the idea in my head, but I didn't know how to put it into words. And, and I think there's, I think there's kind of two answers there. And I think it, uh, you know, one, one relates to business and one really relates to, to our life in general, but I don't think Warren Buffett's the guy that came up with it, but he's the one that, that, entered, that, that I stumbled onto the concept of, of having an internal and an external scorecard from. And uh, I think, I think it's really easy to get caught up in, in metrics and in business and, and uh, whether they're financial or, or otherwise, and we all have these terms we throw around for KPIs and, and, you know, we're no different at, at Big L in that we have, you know, we have revenue targets and we've got EBITDA targets and we've got utilization numbers we want to hit. And uh, those things are all great. Those are, you know, that's great info to be able to give to the bank or to be able to benchmark ourselves against competitors or, or whatever it might be. But I really don't think that tells much of the story. You know, that's, that's one little piece. But uh, at the end of the day, if we miss a revenue number, it doesn't mean we were failures, you know, it, uh, to me, so much more of, of what success means is in the, in the business side of my life or, you know, professionally, the, the thing that really drives me is, is watching the people around me grow, you know, so I, I was just, again, kind of jumping back to the conversation with Joe, but, you know, this month I filled out uh, I've, I've signed off on three employment verifications for employees that are either buying their first home or, or they're upgrading to a larger home. 
Um, we've got four four employees right now that are um, expecting uh, expecting new children, and and so that to me is is so much bigger piece. Getting to watch these people grow in their lives, and and you know, hopefully provide an environment that that fosters that, so they can grow and and pursue whatever it is that that drives them. But outside of that, you know, in, in my personal life, I really think, and and just in life in general, I think success comes down a lot more to just to just continually striving for whatever the next thing is. And, and, you know, trying to, I'm trying to, to keep grounded in the fact that, you know, I I am in a constant competition with myself from yesterday and, and, you know, as we continue to grow and and identify, you know, I guess as I continue to grow and identify the things that are really important to me, just, just trying to find a way to, to uh, interact with folks that, that in a manner that, at the end of the day, I look back on it and I'm happy with the way the day went. You know, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't matter to me how many, you know, what, what our utilization number on reach forks is that doesn't, you know, that that's not really the important stuff. The important stuff is the relationships we build with folks along the way. And, and uh, the way that, you know, the way that we help the people around us. And that to me is, is really far more important than any metric we can throw around or any other, any other piece it's it's what we do for the folks around us and and really the just kind of that drive to continue challenging yourself and continue trying to grow as a person um whatever that might mean to you know whatever that might mean to you but it uh i don't know it's a how, how to define success is a, a tough tough thing yeah well i think you did a pretty good answer a good pretty good job of answering that question so <laughs> i uh, i think you, you nailed the the way you explained it. I think if you're questioning how to get it out, I think you did a pretty good job. Certainly. Well, I appreciate that. I, you know, I, I, uh, I had a lot of, a lot of thoughts around that today and, and I still don't know that, you know, really conveyed what I had, but you know, I, uh, hopefully, hopefully there's some nugget in there that, that folks can, folks can maybe halfway agree with, but <laughs> that's it. Exactly. So, all right, Ben, well, thank you for coming on the rental journal podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm excited to uh, excited to get to listen when you get this thing buttoned up, and and uh, I'm just honestly excited about the work you're doing, and and uh, you know, giving more exposure to rental and, and giving us all a resource to have another way to interact with each other and share ideas and, and learn from each other. You know, I think it's I think it's fantastic work that you're doing, and, and I'm excited to I'm excited to hear you know where you go with it. This podcast episode was brought to you by our premier partner, Kenan Tower.